Welcome to episode 26. Today's show is really powerful and it comes from a friend of mine that works outside the health and nutrition industry. A friend that runs a digital marketing business, which means he understands how your brain seemingly makes moves against you as a result of scientifically constructed marketing that has the sole purpose of manipulating you into buying the sweet, sugary, trans, fatty goodness. (laughs) And not only that, he shares a little about how health businesses get it really wrong in promoting their own products and services, the ones we would actually benefit from. I hope you enjoy this episode, especially if you're looking to curb some self-sabotaging food habits and take more control over your food and fitness. All right, let's jump into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I'm wrapped that you're here with me today because you're probably going to learn a lot about how your brain seems to work against you half of the time. In the studio today, we have Ethan Donati, Melbourne University lecturer and international speaker in neuromarketing and owner of the digital marketing and advertising business called My Million Dollar Funnels. Now, you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with my health and dietary choices? Well, stick around because you're about to find out. So, without further ado, Ethan, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Maddie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. No worries, man. Um, so, because there are a lot of people here today probably thinking, how does this pertain, this topic pertain to how to not get sick and die, mm. can you give us a bit of an overview of your field and its application to health and nutrition? Absolutely. Well, look, neuromarketing applies to literally everything because it applies to human behavior, which is how we change behavior and why we make the decisions that we do. So, firstly, you have to look at how advertisers are sending their messages to you and how that's getting uh, recognized by your brain. That's the first thing. And the second thing is understanding how your brain is wired so you can change the wiring to make better decisions as well. So there's two, there's two aspects to it. Right. So, and I guess the, you know, it's not hard to look around when you're walking down the street to see that most people have a health problem and most people think it's them that are the problem, but uh, you're suggesting that it's their brain that is more of the, the brain is the problem. Their brain is the issue. It's working that, against them. That's it. So my question off the bat straight away is mm. once we know this stuff, is it consciously hackable? Like are we able to get in the way of these instinctive things that are buried deep in our brain or are we just going to be more aware that we're victims of marketing? It's very hackable because, well, we're going to get into it a bit later, but there, there are certain areas in the brain that you can actively use to um, be aware of the marketing messages. Okay, um, and we're going to get into that, but but um, you you'll notice the difference between um, healthy advertisements and like McDonald's ads. If I asked a hundred people what was the last healthy ad you saw on TV, it's very difficult to get a right answer because they, they don't remember the the ad. If you asked a hundred people um, when was the last McDonald's ad you saw on TV and what did it what did it do, they won't know what the message was, but they'll know that what they're trying to do. They'll they'll remember the red. And the yellow. That's it. And that's that's the power of of proper marketing. But we can definitely, definitely change how that pattern interrupts our thinking, interrupts our behavior. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, as you're talking, I'm trying to think of the last healthy ad that I saw. Exactly. Yeah, I got exactly. no memory. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I am thinking about McDonald's burgers right now. Mm, so maybe this uh, podcast episode is just going to sabotage me to eat terribly. Mm-hmm. Bad branding, man. Bad branding. <laughs> <laughs> so run us through decision-making process and behavioral response. 
Okay. Um, sure. I will do that. So, okay. There are three brains. Firstly, there are three brains, right? There's the neoclassical brain, the new brain. And that's how, that's the one that we use to think too much, right? So it's when you're, you know, you're, it's late at night, you're um, think, overthinking, you're thinking too much. That's the new brain. But it's also the brain that you think you use more often than not. But the brain you're actually using is called the reptilian brain. The reptilian brain is all subconscious and it is very hard to change because it's linked to your past trauma, past traumas from a child. So the first thing you have to know is that the, the reptilian brain is guiding your behavior, guiding your decision-making, and it is overpowering your, your new brain if you allow it to. Okay, So that, that's, that's the first part of decision-making. The second part is what we call decision-making theory, right? So there are unconscious biases on decision-making. Like, for example, if you have to choose between a salad and a brownie at any given time, each option has a decision threshold, okay? So right. there's a decision threshold that has to be reached to make either decision, okay? Now, certain unconscious biases, like smell, for example, can push you towards the brownie. But then if you have a conscious thought such as, um, you know, I'm on a diet or I want to make a better decision, that can bias you towards the salad. But overall, those two different variables will eventually push you to one threshold, okay? And the reptilian brain, if you're not aware of what you're thinking, the reptilian brain will choose that for you, okay? And is it, when you say it's connected to sense of smell, is that because sense of smell stimulates memory retrieval more okay. quickly than consciously trying to overthink it? So, so smell is just one example, but it could be literally anything. It could be an ad you saw on TV that, that biases you, yeah. right? But the, well, smell is important though because of the wiring to the brain as well. So the, sm the smell goes directly to the amygdala, which is the reptilian part of the brain. Yeah. Um, that's why smell is so important, but there are a whole range of different uh, stimuli that can do it. Right. So, yeah. so what you're saying is reptilian brain is as old as we are, but conscious thinking develops later in life and therefore doesn't have as much power to, to be utilized? So the reptilian brain is much older than what we are. It's like 50 million, 500 million years old, right? It's actually formed from all those caveman tribal times. All of those learnings as a tribe, which was scarcity, fighting for food, fighting for resources, our brains are biologically outdated, right? So the new brain right now is something that we've just gradually built up over time. But yeah, a much shorter amount of much time. shorter amount of time. I talk about this with a lot of clients when I'm on speaking events because I think a lot of people confuse genetic evolution with social evolution. Mm. So they think, uh, like for instance, the last major human genetic evolution was 350,000 years ago, mm. but today we've got McDonald's available every single day. So yeah. our genetic and metabolic genome is wired for fast and famine and feast sort of, you know, in between yeah. food from 350,000 years ago. Yeah. And we've only been eating two to six meals a day for the last hundred years. Exactly. And, you know, now we've got all these diseases. So it's kind of, it sounds to me like it's kind of the same thing. Like this reptilian brain is thousands and thousands of years old, but mm. this conscious thinking about how do we respond to the advertising, which was manipulating, you know, 50 million year old genetics yeah. is like yeah. with, beyond our conscious power. Exactly right. Exactly right. So deeply wired into yeah. the brain. Yeah. Um, so fundamentally, 
you deal with it seems like you deal with the subconscious motivations that result in a particular action mm-hmm. right would, would you say that's correct that's correct yeah yeah cool correct. so to me it sounds like we're talking about the neuroscience of of getting people as victims of marketing so mm. my question is what are the big companies like you referred to McDonald's or say like KFC or Lint or any of those big yeah. you know sugar fat filled foods what are those brands getting correct mm. that say the health foods that we don't remember the ads from what mm. you know what are the big brands getting right that the little brands aren't okay so that's a great question and the first part of that answer is not so much what are the big brands doing right it's more what are the governments and the psa's public service announcements doing wrong okay so there was a study done on this and public st- public service announcements only about a third of them use proper persuasion techn- like uh, a- application to it only a third, whereas McDonald's, KFC, they, they apply it every single time, right? And the, the difference is, you'll, like everyone knows the smoking ads, like the, the ones that are quite graphic and visual, like the, the heart's pumping and it's like fills up your lungs and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and they pour the tar over the yeah. lungs. And, yeah, and, yeah. and the assumption is that they will change behavior, but they don't because they overstimulate the amygdala. So they go too far the other way. They overstimulate the amygdala. Our, our brain shuts off. We ignore that that uh, stimuli. Whereas McDonald's, KFC, all those kind of brands, they get right into that that middle part of the inverse U curve, and they do that by linking the linking the product to a feeling. Okay, it's it's a feeling of it's a positive feeling. It's not a negative feeling. It's a positive feeling. Yeah, and that feeling is stored in the brain as subconscious, as, as what we call a somatic marker. Right. Yeah. But the thing is. Governments, big brands, the way they're advertising right now, they have no clue what they're doing. They have given, been given a budget. They don't know how to use the budget because there are small brands, very small brands, making millions of dollars online, changing behavior for the better because they're applying the right persuasions to psychology. There are fitness brands online. There are you know all these different brands online making millions of dollars in sales funnels, like gross revenue because they're applying the techniques. If the government applied those techniques on a mass scale, that could change behavior and it could change it very, very effectively. Okay. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Do you think there's a reason they're not then? If they're the government, they have they, all this money. Like, where, is, <laughs> there do, is. Do, you, do you think it's tactful 
tactful marketing in interest of corporate dollar? I actually think they have no idea how to do it. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm convinced they have no idea what they're doing because the people that, that are in that position, they're full-timers. They're not incentivized by a result. They're incentivized by the full-time wage they get. Now, that's going to limit their ability to really find out what works because if they hire someone that can actually do the proper marketing and do the proper messaging and build it up properly, it's going to be more expensive. So, yeah, corporate dollar. Corporate dollar. So, they need to hire somebody like you. They need to hire someone that knows what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. Someone like Ethan Donati at look, My Million Dollar Funnels. Look, we're, we're pretty busy, but I mean, <laughs> if they want. Um, so, can't we just apply the same logic to healthy decision-making? Or, we, or do we not have control over this uh, input to the amygdala? So, okay, we, we have plenty of control. We have no control of the input to the amygdala, that's correct. And there's another brain region even, even, more, um, even more important. It's called the habenula. And what the habenula does, everyone will kind of um, realize this once I say it. It suppresses your desire to try something after you failed it the first time. So if you go on a diet for like six months and you see no change in weight, you see no change in body fat percentage, you see no change in energy, your chances of trying that again are scarred because of your habenula scars. That's in the brain, right? Your, that brain region is literally damaged from that past experience. Now, so it's trauma. It's trauma. It's yeah, trauma. Which is yeah. like genetically recorded. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, right. yeah. So once, once you understand that that's there, once you're cognizant of it, then you can change it. Then you can actually make that switch. And, and the way to make that switch is by acting out of identity first. Right. So I'm going to go into this now, but basically 99% of people act as feelings first. So let's say the feeling is today I feel a bit down, I feel a bit lazy. Um, I'm just going to order Netflix. I'm just going to order eat in, right? Takeaway. So it goes feeling, action, and your identity then becomes I'm the type of person that just skips diets, just does whatever, right? People that succeed in changing behavior, they act out of identity first. So they say, what would the person I want to become, what would they do right now? They would stick to the diet, go to the gym. They would do all these things, right? That leads to the action of then going to the gym, doing the things, right? Yeah. Which then impacts the way they feel. So it's literally turned on its head. But the difference is people are inherently lazy and they won't, they won't do it like that. Why, why not? Like, why are we inherently lazy? Why are we going to go feelings before identity? Because the reptilian brain, they lo- it loves imme- instant gratification. That's what, it, that's what it wants, instant gratification. There's two things that the reptilian brain wants, survival, reproduction. That's it. Yeah. If those two things are not met, that's the first, that's the first instinct. My initial thought to that is that getting, you know, staying in, watching Netflix, ordering pizza, getting fat. Mm. Doesn't that impede your ability to reproduce and be sexually active? No, because, well, well, that is a great argument for a different day. Because, yeah, right. <laughs> because no, it doesn't. Right, okay. It doesn't. Well, what's, tell us. Well, Why doesn't uh, it impede that? Because sexual, like, sexual selection is based on fitness, right? No. So sexual selection is not a logic-based decision either, right? It's actually unconscious as right. well. So there, there's been great research into this, but basically – you can predict which partner you'll be more likely to end up with based on the way the brain responds and it's subconscious. Right. So the, even the way you interact with someone, you, you, that is, it's a subconscious decision. It doesn't matter about weight or income status. Now, for some people that are cognizantly want those things, absolutely it matters. And is that because those people are focused uh, on identity? 
Yes. So they're focused on the, the neoclassical brain. Yeah. They can control the reptilian brain. But for those, like the majority of the population that are very reptilian brain dominate, dominant, it's all unconscious. It is all unconscious. Interesting. Yeah. So you said earlier that it, this was like consciously hackable. It is. So how do we hack it? How do we go like from it. acting on feelings to then acting for our, the identity that we want? Yeah. So the answer is not motivation. That's number one. Everyone thinks, I just want to be motivated. I just, you know, I just need to get a, mo- a motivation to go to the gym, motivation to eat healthy. It's not that. Motivation is very fleeting. It's not even discipline. Discipline is all about willpower. So discipline will help you, but it's not the answer. The answer is high-performance habits. The only way to make um, change that sticks is creating high-performance habits because habits become subconscious. So the way you do that is you set like um, one new habit a day. One new habit a day for 28 days is a great idea. And what I would do with that is you have one habit a day, you start that habit and you stick to it over three or four weeks, it then becomes ingrained in subconscious. And once you have the subconscious habit, that's when the behavior changes. That's when you see the results. That's, that's the key. Why 28 days? Uh, th- there's, very, there's varied um, research. Yeah. Anywhere between 14 and 28 is, is usually the starting point, but have a good habit. Right. Yeah. So it's one new habit for 28 days? Can, you can do two or three at the start and add yeah, new ones right. as you go on. It just depends on your comfortability. Yeah. The, the way to do it is set up the, the main two objectives. The main two objectives, let's just say, it's I want to decrease my gluten intake and I want to decrease my sugar intake. Stick to that for 14 days and then add another one. And then yeah. just build that just new build identity it, one. It and it will happen. One habit change at a time. Exactly. Sweet. Exactly. So... Where can everyone find you online if they need more neuromarketing information? If they need more neuromarketing information, look, they can go up to my website, mymilliondollarfunnels.com or, I mean, my Facebook is fine too. Ethan Donati, just add me on there and we can have a conversation. Sweet. Yeah. All right, so I'd love to wrap up all the podcasts with this question. Okay. Which piece of health information do you wish more people knew about? This is a fantastic question, Maddie, and one that sometimes – you know about health information this is the thing that i wish people would know um you need to stop asking for motivation and you actually need to take responsibility and get out of the victim mindset and the other thing is perfectionism leads to inaction if you think your diet has to be perfect every single day your sleep has to be perfect every single day your um, you know, your, your gym work has to be perfect every single day, it will not happen. It will not happen. It, per- perfection is something that cannot be achieved. But um, and, and to remove that need for perfection, you'll start making a change as well. That's, that's pretty much the summary. I like it, man. Mm. Um, so for everybody that wants to find Ethan, hit him up online. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and put it as your Instagram story. You can tag Ethan. You can tag myself. Um, and so I appreciate you guys being here. And Ethan, thanks so much. I think you've given some great insight to most awesome. people that think that they're just a victim to their feelings. Exactly right. Thanks, Maddie. No worries. So as usual, we'll catch you on the next one. We will. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode.
Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.